Welcome to Podopticon. I'm Randall Hendrickson. So we have an election coming up that I bet you've heard about. I thought then it might be worthwhile to geek out with some experts between now and then. Today I have two simple questions to guide the show. Who are the never-Trumpers and who cares? Now, a lot spills out from those broad questions, so to look for answers, I talked to one half of the team that wrote a book on these guys. Rob Saldin, who co-authored with Stephen Tellis, Never Trump, The Revolt of Conservative Elites, published by Oxford University Press. More on Rob and his book in a second, but you can see from the subtitle that we mean here by Never Trumpers, the conservative elites that revolted against Trump from the start. The book has been pretty well received, but I want to look at it through the lens of a left critique of the Never Trumpers that has considerable overlap with a certain kind of critique from the right. These kinds of overlaps seem to me worth considering. That overlap argument is essentially this. What are you Never Trumpers in a twist about? This dude Trump is a natural outgrowth of the politics you've been behind for your whole careers. I mean, that's the argument, and it's just a matter of accent, really. So to push Saldin, I enlist Samuel Moyne's criticism, Moyne who entered the fray himself with a review of the Saldin Tellus book in The New Republic. Moyne is a professor of history and law at Yale, prolific, influential, and no centrist Democrat. His argument, such as it is, is just one of these left-side critiques that intersect nearly exactly with a certain right-side criticism of the never-Trumpers. I'll link his review and the response to it on Podopticon's site. Now, to be up front, I'm more sympathetic to Moyne in spirit. But Saldin here in the podcast and in the New Republic response with this co-author may well get the better of Moyne. Evidence will do that but I try to push Saldin a bit, as I think you'll see. So in what follows, I, following Saldin and Tellus, want to break down the never-Trumpers into their various cohorts. From there, I'm going to ask Saldin about the criticism of his book, and his response and hopes for never-Trumpism, and really, American politics, in the future. To the nerds who remain, thank you, and let's get started. So first... Never Trump obviously emerges with Trump. It's a weirdly small reaction, but can be broken into groups. They are the national security professionals, the political campaign professionals, lawyers and economists, and public intellectuals. It's really the national security sorts who most resemble what might be called a cohesive group that is more or less emphatically anti-Trump from the start. Here's Saldin. If you're going to be in the foreign policy game, you, you know, you're, you're, you're for the most part going to be very Washington-centric. And most of the people in the so-called foreign policy establishment, they're based in Washington. And one of the, one of the outgrowths of that is that they all know each other, right? It's a, it's a tight-knit group. They come into contact with each other. They come into contact, too, with their uh, corollaries on, uh, in, in the other party. There are also in Washington all these institutions that are um, that, that exist uh, to a large degree to bring people together to talk about these uh, issues, and and that is not something that characterizes a whole lot of other um, policy milieus. So what they want to say is that the networks 
that these people operate within matter. And here again, the national security types are most exemplary, largely because they're uh, all in Washington, as we just saw. Here again is Rob Saldin. So one of one of the cool things about the uh, the national security uh, chapters is that we got access to uh, emails that were uh, sent around by people within within this group. So so they put out two. Um, two letters denouncing Trump over the course of the campaign. And we got access to the emails um, revolving around one of these letters. And so, you know, we really had, yeah, it was cool. And and it was, it really helped too. you know, with interviews, interviews are great. I I love interviews. I've done two books based on interviews, but it's always hard um, to to kind of place yourself back in, in, in the situation as it was at the time, right? They're, they're, they're just, they're just always backward looking. Well, those emails provided us with a real um, uh, view in what the discussion, what the discussions were at the time they were going on. And, um, and, and yet, you know, there's lots of interesting stuff baked into that. But, but one of the things is that, 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 there, that there was this sense that, um, yeah, you know, you got to get with the program. There was social pressure to get with the program and the way that they talked about and described the people who, for one reason or another, chose not to sign the letters, right? They, these aren't people who came out in support of Trump, but just people who, who declined to put their name on these group letters that went out. Yeah. I mean, that was not cool. And, and they were, they were angry about it. And yet these guys failed. They were the best placed, best organized, most cohesive, but they failed to stop Trump from the start. What's to make us think they could do anything now? This is precisely why I'm particularly unmoved by these letters signed by uh, foreign policy experts and military men and women. Seems almost meaningless. But if this group couldn't manage to have an impact, what hope do people who pay the rent by running campaigns have when the conservative world goes Trumpy? So the party professionals never stood a chance. The ones who could proudly assert their never-Trumpism were already rich from years of running successful Republican campaigns, guys like Mike Murphy and Stuart Stevens. They can afford it. As to the public intellectuals, I mean, aren't they always less influential than they think they are? In this context, there's the delicious story of the Conservatives Against Trump issue of the National Review back in 2016 before the Iowa caucus. Trump lost and the editor publicly flexed, as if some issue of that magazine had put the matter to bed. The hubris on display. To get it so ouchy fucking wrong. Oof. But anyway... The most cohesive group failed, and those who could afford to be honorable, insert scare quotes if you like, stayed to their guns. None of that maybe is anything beyond interesting, if that. But Saldine and Tellus have hopes that you might call an agenda if you take away the skeevy connotation that agenda might have. They're critical of the never-Trumpers precisely because they'd like to see more out of them. They think and this is intriguing, that we're ripe for a new factionalism in politics that will be good for the nation. Here's Saldin again. One of the things that we think could could happen, and and again, there's no social science law that says this is going to happen. It's going to depend on 
what people do and where they uh, where they put their money, where where they put their energy. Um, but but we could see a return to uh, the, the kind of factions that that really have characterized um, American politics um, over the course of our country's history, right? If you think about it, like our, our current situation is kind of the anomaly, right? Usually we've had we've had intra-party factions. And, and and I think the reason for that is that, you know, we have so much in our system that pushes towards two parties. So Saldane and Tellis hope for and see the plausibility of a liberal conservative faction within Congress to counter what promises to be a pretty Trumpy future for the Republican Party. But it's hard to be enthusiastic for that future, if you ask me. I mean, how to react to a country in which the right gets ever more nationalistic and populistic in its politics, as the book itself foretells. I fear competent Trumpism, and so I probably hope for the effective factionalism that Saldine and Talisi is possible. Could be our only hope. But Saldine isn't so dark. Never Trumpers aren't so much failures for him as they are distracted by activities that are less urgent, as we'll see. Now, on the other hand, there are those who want to say that the Never Trumpers, far from being failures, have meddled to great success in democratic politics and dashed the hopes of the left of the party. And that's where the interview takes off. Rob Saldine, welcome to Podopticon. Hey, thanks, Randall. Great to be with you. Well, Rob, you know, I searched far and wide for a negative review, and I finally found one. It's titled, The Never Trumpers Have Already Won. They're not trying to save the GOP from a demagogue. They're infiltrating the Democratic Party. Now, you guys got a chance to respond with your own piece titled, Don't Blame Never Trumpers for the Left's Defeat. This exchange appears in the New Republic, and as I say, um, it will be posted to Podopticon's website. So I do encourage listeners to check it out. Now, as I say, I wanted to take up Moyne because I think he offers a particularly interesting um, criticism, uh, on the one hand, for representing a left-side critique of the Never Trumpers, uh, but also for picking up that criticism that intersects nicely with the criticism from the right, uh, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, but for now, the criticism in the Moines review of your book seems to come from two perspectives. One, you could say, is the thesis, and it's simple. It's that the Never Trump movement is already a success. And it wasn't to save democracy, but to capture the centrist faction of the Democratic Party and to stymie progress uh, along uh, certain tracks. Then there's the spirit of the review. And if I may, it's something like this. There's a certain something bouncing between distaste and laughability in all of these never-Trumpers claiming that they've always sought exemplary leadership and operating as if their current morally principled stand is rooted somehow in a morally principled past. And then Moyne takes you to task for various things, namely your cozy approach, uh, which leads you to miss the truth of the matter, because I guess you're too close to your subjects. And he somehow finds the book's fatal flaw to be its missing sections on what these never-Trumpers have been up to since 2016. 
So let's take that review, or at least my summary, as the jumping-off point. Well, well, yeah, yeah. It was, it was nice that the, the New Republic was good enough to to give us a little space to to, to write a response to Moyne, and yeah, you know, in 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 a way, we we were really pleased to to see that review because it does give um, a, a a nice coherent. Uh, articulation of a, a point, a perspective that we see out there on the left. And, and Moyne, I think, definitely spoke to a uh, critique of the Never Trumpers that's very prominent out there on, on social media among, among the Bernie bros and, and, and the left. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so that was, that was good for us to, to, to get a chance to, to engage with that and engage with, uh, with, with such a, a serious, uh, prominent person. Right. I mean, a person against whom you disagree at every turn. You know, um, obviously, you know, Steve and I don't don't view <laughs> don't don't view things uh, the way either the, the the critics on the left or the right do of of the Never Trumpers. I mean, we we uh, we, we we don't see Trump as just sort of another Republican pulled out of the hat. Um, we, we, we do see him as, as the never Trumpers themselves do as, as different. Another big thing we just don't buy is that the, the never Trump, um, contingent is this highly organized scheming, competent movement that, you know, concocted this plan to, uh, take over the democratic party and then flawlessly, um, implemented that, um, I mean, quite the contrary, really. In fact, Steve and I kind of come from the perspective of, gosh, if if, if only the Never Trumpers <laughs> had been able to do that, that that would be great. So I've mentioned that you place some hope in the emergence of something like a what you call a liberal conservative faction uh, to push up against the Trumpism of what will be the the near and foreseeable future uh, of the right. I wonder if you could unpack that a bit for listeners. It's less men- melancholy than I've been making this damn thing seem so far. Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. And again, I mean, we 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 say this is one scenario, right? It, but and it, it depends. Like, where where are um, philanthropists going to push their dollars? Right? Is it are 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 they going to be interested in building up in, in kind of the long term trench warfare? Um, grinded out kind of politics that are necessary uh, to develop and build that kind of a faction, or you know, are they going to give their money to the you know latest little idea about how to uh, tweak you know or tweak election rules or start a third party, which can kind of be more romantic um, than than uh, than slogging it out. I mean, for for the 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 long game. But but you know, one of the reasons why having um, Having this return to factions, which, by the way, I mean, I think you know, it, you, you can almost see this more clearly on the Democratic side right now, where Democratic Socialists for America, and and you do have these institutions that are building up on on the left. So this is really intriguing. Um, what does such a thing mean for Congress, for the logic of Congress, or the movement of Congress for for those of us interested in such things? Well, we think that that that, it, it, that if 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 you have factions, you're you're going to have um, a weaker party leadership because 
those factions are going to want the opportunity to work with their their counterparts on the other side of the aisle on those issues where they're in more agreement. And so, so, so you change the rules of Congress. Um, you make it easier for those kinds of networks. And 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 of course, the threat is well, okay, like we'll we'll vote. Um, we'll vote with you guys when it comes to uh, who gets to be Speaker of the House and Majority Leader. But in return, you you weaken these rules and allow us a little bit more power. So it's a trade-off, right? And, and this is the way factions have worked over the course of American history. And it seems to us that everything is teed up for a return to that um, if if people are are willing to go through um, the the, the kind of hard hard steps of, um, of, of fighting it out in, in the trenches in intra intra party warfare. And, um, you know, one, one criticism we, we have of the never Trumpers is that, is that they haven't been, um, uh, very quick to, to do that. So the never Trumpers haven't been organized according to you. So, um, how do you explain that democratic embrace of Biden aside from Clyburn, which I do find compelling? You see a much more plausible explanation in the failure of the Sanders campaign to fully capture uh, the Democratic Party. And that's easy. It's the endorsement of Biden by Clyburn in South Carolina, which delivered the African-American vote and slung Biden into his uh, primary victory. Moyne's suggestion, and that of others, though, is that the never-Trumpers had something to do with this, this sort of centrist capture of the party. I don't, I don't find it very persuasive, um, just on, on its own merits that, that the explanation for Democrats, you know, kind of flirting with Sanders and then, um, uh, giving the nomination to Biden as being owed to the influence of the never Trumpers, um, you know, I and 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 Moyne doesn't seem to present much evidence of that either, um, in 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 his own piece. But I mean, you know, we kind of we kind of said, look, if if, if you want to point a finger at someone for uh, stealing this thing away from Sanders, you know, yeah, look to look to Jim Clyburn. That's the place um, to look. I mean, to be fair, I'm sure there were lots of. Uh... Never Trumpers who picked up their pens to try to warn the left of a turn to Bernie and likening it to the right's turn to Trump, which I I think is a false equivalency, but this isn't a logic podcast. I mean, right? I mean, it's certainly true that there were some Never Trumpers out there, kind of, um, you know, I remember one piece um, by Tim Miller in in the Bulwark, you know, kind of uh, kind of making making parallels between, like, look, this is this is where we were four years ago. Don't do this. You've got to take action now. But I guess and 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 so there were pieces like that out there. I mean, never Trumpers were out there saying those things. But but the but but the piece that doesn't make much sense is is from is is to say oh and 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 that was so influential right as though as as though as though all uh uh democratic voters and um and and the party elite were rushing out to uh to to, to read Tim Miller's work in in the bulwark and um and and that reoriented their or reoriented their, their their ideas about who should be the democratic nominee um so, 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 yeah, that just doesn't strike us as um, as as super persuasive. You know, I would also add, um, 
outlets like the New York Times, you know, who who had years of condescending coverage of Bernie Sanders, you know, oh Bernie, pie in the sky dreams, silly old senator from Vermont, et cetera, et cetera. I would suggest that um, quite a bit of the blame lies there in any kind of uh, ordinary democratic skepticism of uh, of Bernie Sanders and and what he represents. Yeah, absolutely. 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 And 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 I think, you know, I think you do you you do see that criticism out there, you know, in in in, in on Twitter and stuff like that. Um but um yeah, so 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 that's out there too. But but yeah, but I I'd say yeah, I mean if if we want to be coming up with a list of people to blame for for Sanders's defeat, I I put that one above the Never Trumpers too, right? So so there's at least two in, in addition to Clyburn and, and black voters, right? There's there there two, two uh, culprits with uh with, with a lot more plausibility. Right? Now there's a I have to say peculiar criticism that Moyne advances, and that's that you take a cozy approach with your subject. Um, that's a criticism I'd want to answer if I were you, especially as a social scientist claiming to write a book of social science. Um, it is a book, I should say to listeners, uh, based largely on um, high-level interviews. Um, so one wonders, or at least Moyne wonders, can you do such a thing without becoming too close to your subject? Yeah, well, look, on, on on the one hand, I mean, I think he's he's on to something in the sense that this is always a challenge when you're doing the kind of work that 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 Steve and I um have done in this book and and that we've both done in our previous work, right? That um that that when you're so close to these people and uh, you know um talking to them in in the way we ha- we 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 have and um, trying to to understand them on their own terms, that you can become overly sympathetic to them. Um, so, I mean, that is just an inherent problem of of this kind of research. Um, and uh, you know, I guess what all I can say is that uh, we we did what we could to be aware of this and to to hedge against it and to check ourselves. And and this is one reason why I think this was this was great for us to do this project together is because we, we, we could check one another and say, you know, Hey, I, you know, I, I, I'm not quite sure about that, you know, and, um, you know, we, we were able to keep each other honest, but I guess the other, the other thing I'd say is, you know, like, look, just, you know, read the book. And, um, cause I, we clearly have our own, our own criticisms of, of the number never Trumpers. And I feel like that comes out. I think it does too. And I think any fair reading will uh, reveal as much. I mean, it's clear you have high hopes for the Never Trump mo- movement. Uh, don't get me wrong, uh, but I wouldn't call this anything but a work of political science. And since you're a political scientist, I can ask you questions. Like the one Moyne puts forward when he criticizes you for uh, not following up on the Never Trumpers. What have they been up to since 2016? It might be a peculiar critique, but um, satisfy our curiosity. What's up with Never Trump since 2016? They 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 have been active, and 
you know, since the election, and we do touch on some of that stuff. Not, not. It's true we don't touch on that in in great detail. Although I'm not sure what Moyne would have us have done more of, um, because we we don't think they've been doing the kind of things that he that he that he somehow thinks that they have been doing. Um, we 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 wish they had been doing those things. Um, we wish they had been um, more focused on um, on on building up uh, a, a faction within the Republican Party to push back on Trumpism and and the, the people who will be Trump's um, probably much more competent successors. You know, or 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 if if, if they're ready to abandon the, Demo- the the Republican Party, fine. You know, do build up the centrist uh, wing of the Democrats if um, if they'll have you. Um, but instead, they've largely been focused on on denouncing Trump um, for for reasons that are entirely appropriate, of course. But um, but but they've spent so much time denouncing Trump and and the what initiatives they have put together have largely been the sort that operate outside of the partisan framework. They're kind of nonpartisan or cross partisan things that sound like defending democracy as a team. You know, I mean, I mean, not to say those are those those are silly or, or not important things, but it's like yeah, you know, to 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 really make a make make a play for uh, control and influence in our system you know we we think those energies would be um better devoted towards trying to trying to build a build real footholds to 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 to, to be a player in the republican party or or to or to take your uh, take your choice and move and move them over to the democratic party and try to be a player in that party you know we we, we think that would be in in the long term um better better for those people uh, and their pursuit of, of influence and also better for the American political system. Now I said, I agreed with Moyne and spirit. And by that, I mean this, that, that very intersection of right and left criticism of never Trump. And that's that of course, Trump emerged. Give me a break. You know, I mean, unholy alliances are nothing new. The Bushes have been creeping around with the Saudis for ages. We could go on and on. So I sympathize with that criticism. Something you've mentioned. And so while hypocrisy is most often probably a boring charge, um, what of it? You know, what do you think after having interviewed all of these people and having uh, written the book on the matter? Look, it, I, I think it kind of a lot of it comes down to, you know, what's your view of Trump? Do you view Trump as um, as something that um, just naturally, perhaps inevitable, inevitably emerged from the Republican Party um, that is very much in keeping with what we've seen from the Republican Party in the past? Uh, or do you see him as as this horrific monster that somehow got let out of the basement? The book is Never Trump, The Revolt of the Conservative Elites, published by Oxford University Press. I encourage you to pick up a copy. And I bet future chroniclers are going to benefit from it once they find it among the ruins of our nation. Rob, I want to thank you for joining us. I hope you'll do it again soon. Randall, this has been fun. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is, of course, all mine. As always... Thanks for sticking around. In future episodes, we're going to touch on the Electoral College, on presidential representation and power, on the history of freedom, and more. 
Until next time.